So friends, this morning we have a treat for you. We have asked one of our youth to read our scripture lesson from John uh, 21, verses 1 through 14. Will you listen now to Levi Shatosky? After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it because there were so many fish. The, disciples, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there, there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This is, how, this is now the third time that Jesus appeared, for, appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And Thanks be to God for the reading and the hearing of this holy scripture. Amen. So, Ricky, this week was one of those weeks, those trying kind of weeks. Uh, it began with the governor's... Uh, um, conversation and about reopening everything that led to um, a task force that had to meet and begin to think about our own criteria uh, it was a week filled with zoom session after zoom session after zoom session I found myself not only in conversation with local people and local authorities but also in conversation with district and conference authorities. Frankly, there was a lot of talking, a lot of thinking, and a whole lot of praying as we went throughout this week. It wasn't the worst week, I'd say, but it was certainly a challenging week. So then when Saturday came, I felt weary. My body was physically weary from sitting too long in too many chairs <laughs> behind my computer in a Zoom session. My soul was weary from, from just not enough personal time to walk with Jesus. And my, my mind was just mush. I just longed to do things that were kind of familiar. So Saturday I got up and it was quiet all day. I know Kelly kept thinking, man, I don't know, something's going to blow any minute. <laughs> But I returned to things that were familiar. I began to clean a little bit. I cooked a little bit. I, I do what I call putz around. I putz around, put things back in order, back in place. I just returned to that which was familiar. 
And when I do that, it's kind of like a reset mm. from my mind, my body, and my soul. Mm. Yeah, there's, I think that's exactly what, what these seven disciples are doing this morning. You know, in times of stress, there's a reason. It's the familiar that we, that we fall back on, that we return to. I uh, see these seven disciples here who, you know, they, they've already seen Jesus twice. Right? He's appeared to them in the upper room and showed them his hands and his side and had this beautiful conversation with Thomas. And, and they've heard the story of, of the disciples having come back from Emmaus and, and they've been living in the res resurrection. But I imagine they still feel a little adrift with their life. They're not quite sure what to do. And, and you know, at least four of these seven guys were professional fishermen before Jesus called them, before they spent the last three years following Jesus. And, and so in the midst of kind of this, this uh, liminal space of not knowing exactly what lies ahead of them or what to make of what has just happened, in the midst of the stress, they return to what they know. So they're, they're together, and, and Peter, who's one of the fishermen, he says, you know, I don't know what else to do. I'm going to go fishing, right? I'm going to get in the boat. I know how to fish. I'm a professional fisherman. I'm so this is what's familiar for me. They return to the familiar. But interestingly, ironically, the, the one thing that they're supposed to be good at, they can't even do right. And they spend all night for professional fishermen, and they catch absolutely nothing at all. Right. Right. What, what strikes me in this passage, when I read it, I've read it year after year and in between Easter story times, and, and what struck me this week was the response of his friends. Mm. I love the way that Peter, in, in that moment when he cannot figure out what else to do, he says, I'm going fishing. And the others didn't say, yeah, fishing, that's a good idea, let's go fishing. Instead, they, you almost see that they give each other a look. They're, they're worried about Peter, and they said, we'll go with you. It is, it is that that. Um, they didn't really say, hey, Peter, snap out of it. Let's get going on something else. Instead, they just went along with Peter to support him, to love on him in the midst of that time which was so uncertain and so upside down. Yeah, and I think the community there makes all the difference. Right? Because it's in community that they experience and encounter Jesus again, right? They, they see him and hear him from the shore and he tells them to cast over to the other side and they draw on all these fish and they, and they know, they, they recognize him. They say, I've heard this voice before. I've seen this face before. Peter puts on his clothes and jumps in and, and swims ashore ahead of everyone else. And, and you know what it is? It's, it's in the familiar that they encounter Jesus. These scenes that they have seen before and it says, Peter comes up to Jesus and he finds him making breakfast around a charcoal fire. He's already started the stones going. And, you know, the last time we found Peter around a charcoal fire is just a couple weeks ago at his lowest moment and at Jesus' lowest moment when Jesus is, is being tried by Pilate and the religious leaders and, and Peter's in the courtyard and warming himself around a charcoal fire. And he's asked, aren't you with Jesus? Don't you know this man? And, and he denies him, not once, not twice, but, but three times in this, in this heartbreaking moment. I imagine Peter sees this fire and, and he knows he's been around this scene before. This, this feels familiar to him. I find it so interesting, too, that Jesus has already started making breakfast for them. He's got a few fish and some bread on the stones that are cooking and preparing them a, a good breakfast. And I imagine that as Peter and the others approach 
they also find some familiarity in that. Mm -hmm. right? I say, there's another time Jesus has done something miraculous with some bread and fish. They remember way back, Jesus has been teaching all day and, and the, the thousands and thousands of people in the crowd at the end of the day are, are famished. They're so hungry and the disciples come up and they say, Jesus, you got to send these folks home. They're, they're going to be hungry. They got to go to their homes. We can't feed everyone. We don't have possibly enough money. And, and Jesus says, no, no, you, you feed them. And with a little boy's sack lunch of tuna fish sandwiches, a couple loaves of bread and a, a few fish, they, they bring to Jesus the little they have and say, you know, but what is this among so many people? And what does Jesus do? Jesus takes the fish and the bread and he blesses them, breaks them, and, and gives them. And, and everyone is filled. Everyone gets exactly what they need. And I imagine the fish and the bread, they, their eyes again are open to the Jesus they have known in, in these familiar things like fires and fish and bread and the voice of the one whom they have known and loved for all these years. I imagine that they, <laughs> excuse me, that they see Jesus in the familiar. And it's in the familiar that it says their eyes are open. Right? We've been talking about these other resurrection stories where they don't recognize Jesus for a long time when they first see him. You know, their eyes are clouded. They don't totally get who it is that's in front of them. But, but this time it says no one even dared to ask, who, who is this? Because they, they knew. They knew. They recognized in the familiar the face and the voice of Jesus. Yeah, and remember, it was Peter that jumped out of the boat and swam ashore <laughs> yeah. to meet Jesus face on after he'd hauled all those fish in in that big old net. And what does Jesus say? Go and get me a fish. <laughs> it helps him remember, mm. helps Peter remember how Jesus said, come with me and I will make you fishers of men. And not knowing at that point, not knowing Peter probably followed Jesus because he was a great teacher, not really understanding exactly what it meant to be fishers of people. What are you talking about? And during these three years, slowly but surely, they began to understand that Jesus is asking us not only to do what is familiar, but to take what is familiar out into the world and to create disciples, to make disciples of all people. And in that moment, when, when Peter goes out and hauls in that entire net <laughs> full of 153 fish, I don't know who was counting, right? But in that moment, he must have realized exactly what Jesus was talking about, what he could not possibly imagine. On that first day that he met Jesus and he said, come with me, I will make you fishers of men, what he could not possibly have imagined, he can now see with a new clarity. Because... Peter did exactly what Jesus asked him to by casting, recasting the net. Yeah. Jesus said, recast the net, and in came all these fish. Peter did it in faith, responded in faith, and saw something new and amazing. I think that's, that's the beautiful work of resurrection, is that, that Jesus you know, uses the gifts we already have within us. Jesus uses the things that are familiar to us, but, but uses those to call us to something far beyond anything we could have possibly asked or imagined before. And Paul, it's, it reminds me of, of Paul's short prayer in, in Ephesians where he's wrapping up this portion of his letter and, 
And Paul says in, in Ephesians chapter 3, he says, Now uh, to, to him, to God, who by his power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we could ask or imagine. You know, Cassie, if a couple months ago you, you had told me, uh, Ricky, what, what does it look like to be the church when you can't actually get people together? I, I couldn't even, even have, have imagined what you were asking of me. I, I couldn't even have imagined what it might look like to still be able to gather for worship even without gathering on campus physically in person together. Right? Or what it looked like to, to mobilize for our neighborhood when so many of us are, are still having to shelter at home and yet so many, a growing number, are, are facing the really difficult challenge of paying the electric bill or putting food on the table. I think what God does in the resurrection is uses the gifts we already have, uses the things that are familiar to us, like, like our skills in a fishing boat, and yet calls us to something far beyond anything we could possibly ask or imagine. And that's been the exciting thing for me, honestly, in the, in the midst of the pandemic and the craziness and the, and the stress of the weeks that just get to me. I just can't help but wonder, how might God be at work in the midst of this pandemic to call us, to use us with the gifts and the familiar gifts that we already have, to be the church in a way far beyond anything we could have possibly asked for or imagined before this. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm reminded that in this newness, as we start these conversations of what it looks like as we, come, as we reopen our campus, begin to gather again in person, and we all so long for that. I can't tell you, I can't wait for that. And yet, I realize that we have a unique opportunity here to see exactly what God is calling us to, to figure out what it was in this, in this time of COVID-19 shelter in place that we take with us. What has emerged as our new priorities? What has emerged as our new call to make disciples in this community in Decatur, Texas? I'm excited to see what it is that God is calling us to do that is familiar, that, that has new meaning, new purpose. Things that we might not have imagined pre-COVID-19 now takes on new shapes, new forms. Will we continue to meet in some form over electronic means? I think so. There's value in that. Will we continue to worship in some form online? I think so. There is value to that. I wonder, I wonder though, how many things we will choose to leave behind just as Peter and the four disciples ultimately leave behind the occupation of fishermen and take on the occupation of fishermen for people. What is God calling us to in this new new era, this post-COVID-19 era. One thing I'm for sure, and that is when one of us needs to go fishing, that there will be others of around us who will say, I am going to go with you. Mm -hmm. right? And that's the church at our best, yes. right? Yeah. No matter whether we're able to gather in person physically or whether we're gathered digitally across the county and across the country, the, the beautiful thing about the resurrection to me is that God uses us. We, we are still called to be the church 
in these days, in the days ahead, just as we have for the many, many days before this. And God is using the gifts that we already have, the things that are familiar to us, and we'll use them in ways far beyond what we could have possibly imagined. And I am so excited in this season, in particular, to see how God uses us as the Decatur Methodist family to be the church, to be the hands and feet of Jesus for our neighbors, to extend the love of God to each and every person we meet so that in us, in our faithful service, they might see the face of the risen Jesus Christ in their midst. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Church, during this uh, season, uh, every week we've uh, had a short moment where we, we talk about giving. You know, we can't physically pass the plates around to our, our couches, but uh, I want to let you know that the work of the church is still happening. One of my absolute favorite things that I have gotten to do since moving here to Decatur, almost since month one, has been working with this incredible community-wide coalition called Decatur Cares. It formed 10 years ago with some some good friends from First Methodist and First Baptist in town got together and were so concerned about making sure that our students in Decatur ISD who are on free and reduced lunch during the school years, making sure that they had food for themselves and their families over the summers. And it has morphed in these last 10 years to an organization that is mobilizing throughout the year to help put food on the tables for our neighbors who are facing food insecurity. Uh, during these months, I, I've uh, asked many of you who, who might be a part of our um, uh, older or more at-risk uh, c- community to uh, perhaps stay at home so that you're protecting yourself and caring for yourself. And I've been amazed at the way that not only um, our young families have engaged and mobilized, but yesterday on Saturday morning at our first uh, mobile food pantry of May, um, we were blessed with a couple dozen men and women from the Air Force National Guard who came and served with us. And let me tell you, if you don't know about our friends at the National Guard, they have been spending every week over the past month traveling around our Wise County community, serving at these pop-up mobile food pantries each and every week. Um, We've been hosting some. Our good friends at Wise Health System have been hosting some. And friends, there are some four to 500 families each and every week who are doing all they can to put food on the table for themselves and their families. And yesterday, I was just so proud to not only serve alongside these men and women, but serve alongside community people uh, from across the cater and also serve alongside folks from this congregation. And I want you to know that every single time you give to support the ministry of our Decatur Methodist family, you are giving to make a difference in the lives of this community to be a witness to the love of Jesus at work. So uh, whether you give online or whether you write a check and mail it into the P.O. box that we're checking each and every week, I invite you to continue to give generously so that the love and the witness of the risen Christ might continue to be made known powerfully in this community far beyond anything we might possibly ask or imagine. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Holy God, we offer back to you now simply a portion of those gifts with which you have blessed us. God, we pray that you might bless them, that you might multiply them, and that you might use them for the building up and the breaking in of your kingdom in our midst. So that through our faithful efforts, others might come to know the deep and abiding love of Jesus Christ for them. 
We pray all this in your holy name. Amen.